One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, so we've been talking about hearing the voice of the Lord and how powerful the voice of the Lord is. Amen. Um, The last time we were together, we talked about uh, the garden, right, and how this war is initiated in the Garden of Eden, right? Why would the Lord put his sons and daughters in the midst of a place where they hear the voice of the Lord, but you also have this whispering serpent? And so if you don't understand that concept, people get lost in really what this whole thing is about. But ultimately, sons and daughters walk in the dominion of the Holy Spirit to actually conquer the garden, to rule the garden, to drive the serpent out of the garden. Amen? and to actually awaken the people around them that they too would have dominion and authority in the garden. And so, you know, the Lord actually equipped Adam supernaturally in the garden, right? He formed him, but then it says he breathed into him. Life came into him. And so there's this dynamic relationship between Adam and the Lord. They walk together, they talk together, uh, they hear each other speak And suddenly this serpent comes and whispers in the ear of Adam and Eve, right? And everything changes. Suddenly doubt enters their heart and, you know, they take the bait and off Adam and Eve go and suddenly everything shifts in terms of how they perceive their father walking in the garden. Suddenly they run and hide. They cover themselves with fig leaves, right? And When the Lord comes looking for Adam, he says, where are you? And then he says this other crazy thing. He says, who said you were naked, right? And so that that explains in a nutshell the whole dynamic of a believer's life, right? Because the Lord actually gives you everything in the power of the Holy Spirit, but you have this whispering serpent creating doubt, unbelief, Somehow he didn't equip you. Somehow he didn't um, give you everything you needed to be dominant in what you're called to do. And actually, what this actually is is when when you know when Jesus when Jesus conquered sin in the grave, he sent the Holy Spirit. Right? We've talked about that a lot. That the Holy Spirit was sent really to restore this realm of glory to the heart of sons and daughters. And so you are not bound in a world of lifelessness, when you are empowered in the Holy Ghost, you're actually equipped, you're actually, you, are, you transcend into the realm of glory, right? Adam and Eve lost the glory. Jesus came and not only conquered sin, but he actually, he was the door that was opened to the realm of glory. And he sends the Holy Spirit to actually grab you. If you can picture him grabbing you and the Holy Spirit actually transcends the limitations of this world and actually equips you to actually hear the Father's voice in the realm of glory. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Right? And so if you get that, 
the reality of the war that this world is, you always have the ability to transcend the limitations of this world and step into the realm of glory. That's, what, that's the power of being a son and a daughter. You are not limited and bound to what this world and the death of this world is, but you are actually bound to the life of Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome? You see, when you grasp that concept, no matter where you're at in life, especially in the darkest times and seasons in life, you have the ability to step into the realm of glory, to hear your Father's voice, because He'll always lead you out. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, He leads you, right? Sometimes He even takes you into the darkness to transform that dark place. You with me? Amen? And so this realm of glory and what Pentecost actually is is a very important thing to understand and wrap your mind around because it's not just, it's not just getting people to stop the act of sinning. The foundational element of the reason people sin is because they're disconnected from the realm of glory, from the heart of God. Amen? You see, when you're in love, there's no need to sin. But actually, when you're in love, that supernatural transforming hand of the Lord actually changes you in a way that you could never change yourself, right? You see, people trying to change themselves is what's called dead religion. You're just going through routine acts. You read, you read the Bible and you try to achieve the Bible instead of knowing the one who authored it and the one who has the keys, who actually literally molds you and reforms you into what you really are in Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And so as people are awakened in the power of the Holy Spirit, I got you know, people that have been in the class calling, asking questions and stuff. And they're saying, well, I was never, I never heard that before. Why do I hear this voice now? Why am I aware of this icky feeling around me? Why does this, you know, why am I suddenly aware of this, this uh, tension in my life? And, you know, this voice when, 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 you know, when you're a slave, when you are actually bound in this realm called the earth, you don't, a lot of people, you know, they can even go to church routinely, but until you hear the voice and you're awakened to the conflict between the two, people suddenly become sensitized to the voices when you're equipped in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because part of it is to connect you to the voice of life. The other part is for you to become sensitized to the to the curse, the thing that, that is whispering in your ear, that you become so sensitized to it that you can turn from it and grab hold of everything that Christ has for you. Amen? You guys ever see the movie The Matrix? I know a lot of, uh, yeah. So, so The Matrix, right? So The Matrix is this story of this guy who becomes awakened that he was locked in this world as a slave um, Right? You guys, you guys, you know, the red pill, the blue pill? If you take the red pill, the Holy Ghost, suddenly you're awakened to the fact that this world, you were born into a slave camp, and, and you're, you're suddenly awakened to the reality of what you were called to overcome, right? You're, you're called to overcome not only to come out of the slave camp, but to actually, when something changes in you and is transformed in you, you actually have the power uh, that's, that's transforming coming out of you, and you change the world. Amen? Amen? So <clears throat> turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. Um, 
This scripture um, talks about this war, this, this conflict between the voices, okay? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled. And so if we start dissecting this scripture um, in verse 4, the weapons, the weapons of our warfare, he says they're not carnal. Meaning it's not, something, it's not something like you thinking of a, a, a carnal act. Like you can even say trying to stop sin is a carnal act. Not that you shouldn't sin. But what I'm, what I'm saying is he's emphasizing here that the weapons of a warfare are mighty. That word mighty is the word dunamis. It's the word supernatural, meaning they come out of the realm of heaven. They come out of the heart of the Father, right? They come out of the voice of the Holy Ghost. And that weapon is all you need for the moment, the situation that you are dealing with. Amen? And so the concept of supernatural dunamis power is the aspect of the dream of the Lord, the vision of the Lord, the prophecy of the Lord. So you see, if you think that a dream, a vision, and a prophecy is just like some pizza thing or, or something that is, um, you know, it's just, like, it's just like watching TV or a prophecy is just like, you know, somebody telling you a story, then you're not grasping the reality of where that vision, that dream, or that prophecy that is actually coming out of the realm of heaven. So the power out of heaven has the ability to transform you and the situation that you are in. That's why power, if you grab hold of what prophecy is, and you hold on to the prophecy spoken over you, the Bible says that you will prosper. If you believe in the, in, in the prophecy, you will prosper, meaning you will overcome the situation that you are in. Amen? And you will be transformed into what the prophecy decrees and declares what you are. Okay? So those words that are spoken, the vision, the dream the Lord gives you, it has, it has the power, the Lord knowing where you are at in life and what He wants to transform you into. Right? He knows the whole thing. He knows the end from the beginning. And what He speaks to you, actually, it's literally His hand grabbing you where you're at and pulling you into what he decrees you are. Amen? So if you grab hold of the visual, you center your life around the dream of the Lord, the vision of the Lord, what the Lord has spoken to you through, through the prophetic voice. Because that arm of the Lord is actually, he doesn't want you to stay in the place you're in. He's actually grabbing hold of your heart, unlocking what you are supernaturally according to the books in heaven, and he's repositioning you into what you are in Christ. Amen. And so, continuing on, it says, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that, ex that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This serpent is still whispering, guys, right? Some of you you go through life, you don't even know that he's whispering. But if you, if, if you are awakened in the power of the Holy Spirit, you become sensitized to the voice of the Holy Spirit as well as, wait a minute, that thing that I thought was normal, that depression that I thought was normal, that 
pain or that sickness that I thought was normal, suddenly you become aware that, wait, the Lord says, I'm not bound to sickness. I don't have to be sick my whole life. I don't have to be in pain. I don't have to be in depression and hopeless. I am what the Lord says I am, right? And so if you can grab hold of those concepts, you center your life around what the Lord is saying. Because he's saying that that supernatural element of his voice is, is mighty for the pulling down of the curse, for the pulling down of the, of, the, of the argument that's raised against you, that tries to imprison you, that tries to uh, break you and, and, and keep you down, uh, downtrodden or something that, that the world tries to literally uh, keep you from becoming what you are in Christ. Amen. And it says there's a maturity element here that happens whenever uh, the knowledge of God is revealed, the destiny that the, that the Lord has for your life is revealed, and you begin to bring every thought into captivity. Look to the person beside you and say, you have a role in the prophetic realm. When you believe it, and bring every thought into captivity, you will step into your destiny. Hallelujah. <laughs> because it says you have to be ready to punish disobedience. Now, the religious person automatically will say, oh, okay, disobedience. Not fornicating, not killing people, not lying. But I'm here to tell you that that is not what he means by disobedience in this context. He's actually saying, I said you are a prophet to the nations. I said you are a teacher. I said you are the guy who will write a book. That's what I said you are, right? That's what the Lord says. So, so what the Lord says something to you, and then this serpent comes and whispers in your ear and says, no, you're not. You're never going to be that pastor. You're never going to be that CEO of that company. You're never going to do it. He whispers. And the Lord says, no, you have to be ready to punish that voice. You have to be ready to actually take hold of all the disobedience that comes from that whispering serpent's voice that tries to strip you from what the Lord says you are. Amen? So the question is, how do you punish your enemy? You see, if you don't know how to punish your enemy, you're not really stepping into the fullness of, of the prophetic realm, okay? The prophetic realm is supernatural. He speaks it, and there are words that whether you believe it or not, that word will transform you alone. But there are other scenarios where it requires your faith to align with what was said, the vision of the Lord, the dream. And you actually have to hold on to the prophecy, the dream, the vision, and it literally transform you. The Lord actually picks fights. Do you know that? He does. He picks fights. He speaks to his sons and daughters. He gives you strength. He releases faith into the hearts of believers. And then he starts picking fights. 
He leads you into a place that says, okay, that's a dark place. Okay, that's a, that's a place where, okay, the, the, the word of the Lord was that you were going to be a, a teacher or build a company or write a book or whatever it is. He actually leads you into that place. The, the serpent starts to whisper in your ear and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm going to drape depression over you. I'm going to drape hopelessness over you. And you know what happens? Most people run away. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to hold on to what the Lord says. And the Lord is saying to you, I'm raising up sons and daughters that know how to fight, that no longer are a victim because they don't know that that enemy is actually called up to actually test you. It is. It's actually called up to test you. Amen? Whenever, when it, 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 whenever Israel was taken out of Egypt and in um, to the wilderness... Exodus 6 actually says this. It says, um, I took them to the wilderness. I didn't take them directly into the promised land. I took them to the wilderness to test them to see what was in their hearts. Think about that. So you receive a prophecy, and some prophecies are immediate deliverance. Some prophecies are immediately transforming. But other prophecies and dreams and visions, you have to actually grab hold of and not leave go of it. And so <clears throat> what I mean by that is this. The serpent's job is to keep you bound in the darkness, okay, so that you never get to your destiny. But the Lord says, I will equip you to punish your enemy. In, in the book of Jeremiah, when, when Jeremiah is called, he's, just, he's, a, he's a basic, insignificant young, young man, Right? And the Lord comes down and begins to speak to him. And he says, I'm, I'm touching your mouth. I'm putting my words in your mouth, right? And if you go to uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 9, it says, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw, throw down, to build and to plant. Look at your neighbor and say, you were born to punish your enemy. You see, that prophecy, that dream is not something that, oh, I just, I had the pizza dream. Oh, that guy spoke to me. He released a prophecy over me. I felt it. I, I was weeping. I'm crying. I know that the Lord spoke to me. You put it on a shelf. You never touch it again. And then you try to endure for the next two years hopelessness, despair, not realizing that that prophecy actually picked a fight with your enemy. You see, Jeremiah, he was an innocent kid. He didn't know he, didn't know, he didn't know he was being called to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. And suddenly the Lord comes down, touches his mouth and says, I'm going to give you vision. And the vision will build, plant, it will destroy your enemy. And it will build and plant and, and reform, reshape a nation. Are you with me? Amen? You see, the Lord doesn't hold anything back from his sons and daughters. Everything you need is in the vision he gives you. Everything you need is in the dream, the, the prophecies that are spoken over you. Everything. <clears throat> I have a book at home for the last 15 years, everything that the Lord has spoken to, to me. It's, it's probably about, a, I don't know, 
80, 190 pages, everything typed out. Every time I wake up, I have a dream. Every time a, a prophet calls me, this is your next step, I write it down. And I remind the Lord continually what he has said to me. Amen? I don't let any grass grow under the words he's spoken to me. I'd continually knock on his door and say, you remember this, Lord? You remember what you said to me? You remember what you said I'm going to do? And that is, that is an aspect of punishing your enemy. Because, let me tell you, whenever, you know, 30, 40 years ago, there's no way that I should be doing what I do. There is no way. I was in so much trouble as a young man. I got into um, things that I never should have got into. No way. But when the Lord speaks and he begins to transform your life and you begin to believe it and you begin to literally grab hold of what he says, he can do supernatural things with every one of you. Amen? And so one other thing I want to talk to you about here for a minute is punishing your enemy. You know, when you pray in tongues, when you speak supernaturally, the Bible says that we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you with groanings that you don't understand, right? We went over that verse um, a few weeks ago um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. Amen? So even when you don't know what to pray, you're, all hope is lost. You're in the darkest hour, and you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. What do you think is happening to your enemy? Do you think that Holy Spirit is on your side or on the side of your enemy? He's on your side. So when you begin to pray, when you begin to intercede, you don't even know what to pray, and you just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, guess what's happening to that serpent? Amen? You stomp, you stomp on the head of your enemy lately? <laughs> we all need to stomp on the head of our enemy every day of our life. Because the Lord says, you take into obedience what he said to you. Your heart has to become obedient to it to the point where you believe it so profoundly that it actually is the essence of your life. It's not if it'll happen. It's not maybe it'll happen. It's yes. It's going to happen. The Lord said it, and I'm going to take the opposing thoughts into obedience. I'm willing to punish my enemy. I'm going to become what the Lord says he called me to. Amen? And so when you don't know what to pray, Jude, Jude chapter 1, actually there's only one chapter in Jude, so let's say Jude 20. He says, build yourself up in your most holy emotion, praying in the Holy Ghost. So, Depression, no hope. Pain, no hope. Sickness, no hope. You have the ability to enter into the realm of the Spirit. You don't have to stay in the garden where the serpent whispered to you. You actually can step into the realm of the glory of heaven and what the Lord has been speaking to you and, and even the Holy Spirit praying, building yourself up in the Holy Ghost you step out of the realm of the earth. You step into the realm of glory. Amen? And that's kind of crazy. But the question to you guys is this. Are you a body with a spirit? 
Or are you a spirit who will live forever inside of a temporary body for about 70 years? Which one are you? Look at the person beside you. Help them figure it out. You need to help, you, need, you literally need to help them understand that you're supposed to be a living spirit in Christ. You're in this temporary body, this thing called an earth suit, right? An earth suit, this temporary thing, and it is not going to limit you because you are a son or a daughter of God. You hear the voice of God, you believe what he has been speaking to you, and you step in, you believe it with all your heart. And you over here in this realm where this serpent whispers to you and you've been listening to it since you were a five-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old, you're not going to be anything. You're not going to amount to anything. You're never going to measure up. You're not going to be anything. You're just going to be a serf. You're going to be, you're going to be a, a slave on the earth. And that thing keeps beating on your head, beating on your head. That same voice beats and whispers in your ear. And suddenly the Holy Ghost steps into your life, breathes life into you, speaks something supernatural to you and says, no, you won't be that old dead thing. You are called to do something supernatural. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you're alive. So let me tell you about a story. Um. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little bit about how the Lord called me to India. In uh, 2015, went to bed, normal kid, right? Nor well, I'm not a kid, right? I'm, all right, I'm going to say I was 47, you know, 46 at the time. Um, went to bed as an as a innocent thinker, I'll, I'll say that, right? No big deal. Um, I have this dream. In this dream, how many of you know a dream can change your life? Amen? A dream can change your life. That's why they call it a dream. <laughs> so the dream, I have this dream. And in this dream, the Holy Spirit wakes me up out of my bed, walks me down uh, stairs into my basement where I had my office. Okay? Holy Spirit opens the door into my own office. I step in and there's two things. On my left-hand side is where my normal desk was at this particular house, okay? On the, on the right is this young 20-year-old girl sitting at a desk, and she's writing. Jesus is standing up by my desk, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm like, what? Why am I here? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks over to the desk where the girl was writing, and he took what was being uh, written and walked up in front of my desk. I had, a, I had a big screen TV in front of my desk in my office at my house. And he put the words up on the, on the TV screen. And instantly, I see thousands of, of people on the TV screen. And all of a sudden, the Lord starts to speak to me. And he says, that young girl was your great-great-grandmother. And she had a dream that one day her grandson, her great-great-grandson would go to the nations and she was writing it down. And he says, what's on this screen are the people that you're going to minister to. And he said, prophesy. And in my dream, I'm 
weeping, I'm crying, there's thousands of people on my TV screen, and I'm prophesying in my dream about the Holy Ghost coming upon this nation. And man, I was messed up. I wake up, I'm crying, I'm like, what is going on? Just crazy dreams. Do you guys have crazy dreams? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, I want to have dreams like that, that change my life, that unlock my destiny. And so seven days later, I get a call from a guy in India, okay? Kakanada, India. He says, sir, I saw you preach on YouTube. <laughs> you have to come. And I'm like, I didn't even hesitate. I didn't know anybody in, in India. And so I said, all right, I'm coming, man. And so I didn't know how it was going to happen. I never, I never ministered outside of the church I was in at that time, okay? This is a it was, a, it was about a six, 700-member church, and um, I was kind of the prophetic guy. I did a lot of the prophetic development, and so I did, I did stuff that was in my gift normal to me, but I had never done anything outside of, of you know, nothing in the United States. I didn't do anything, okay, just in that church. And so I start researching Kakanada. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I ever, ever going to do this? I don't know anybody. I've never even, like, what do you mean I'm going to preach in front of thousands of people? It, it, they call them crusades, and I don't know, man. It was crazy. And so I start, I get, I, I start you know what I do? I start Googling. I start Googling Kakanada mission trips. And so I find this guy. He's from, uh, he was from Michigan. His name was Kim Ford. Um, he has since passed away, but um, I find this guy, and uh, he had some pictures on his website, and I saw, like, you know, sh showed him with, with a bunch of Indian people and different, different things uh, from Kakanada, India. I hunt this guy down, find his telephone number. I said, hey, man, tell me about India. What's it like? I don't know anything, Right. And uh, this guy turns out to be pretty prophetic. You know, sometimes the Lord connects you with people um, that help lead you. It's just, it's just crazy how this all works out. So I have a conversation with him. About three, four days later, he calls me back. He says, hey, I was praying for you. He says, the Lord wants you to know this. He goes, you are called to go there, but you have to know that you know that you know that he is with you and that he's preparing you. And the word the Lord told me to tell you is you have to know the mantle you carry. I'm like, what? You know, I didn't know I had a mantle. I didn't know that as a believer um, or a person called to do something that the Lord would put a unique equipping upon you to do it. It, just, it wasn't part of my theology. I didn't, I didn't understand it. And he's, he's, just he's praying with me and he's like, listen, you're going to do something crazy and supernatural. Okay. You have to know that the Lord has called you to do this. I hang up the phone. Guess what I did? I said, all right, Lord, I'm calling a fast. I start a fast, start, start, you know, nothing but water. And I start pressing and praying and asking the Lord a thousand questions about this mantle. And early one morning, um, about a week later, 
I'm in my prayer room, and this is kind of crazy, but I'm going to tell it to you. I tell you a lot of crazy things, but it literally felt like something fell out of the sky and landed on me. And I'm crying, I'm weeping. I literally could tangibly feel this, whatever this, he called it, a, uh, the, the prophetic guy, Kim, called it a mantle. I felt it come down over me, and it literally felt like a weight, okay? And I'm like, what is this? And the, the Lord spoke these words as clear as a bell to me. He says, a man who knows who and what he is is a dangerous man. I said, what's that mean? He goes, you have to know exactly who you are and that I called you to go to this place. I said, all right, Lord. And, you know, the, the next thing that happens is, uh, is just, you know, there's, there's some things that, 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 that happen that um, are just supernatural in terms of setting me up to go to India. But <clears throat> can I tell you this? Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think at that moment, the weeks leading up to that time, that I, in the last five years, would work with over 5,000 pastors, work with over 150,000 Hindus standing in front of crowds of upwards of 10,000 people. That's crazy. That did not exist up until the dream and the picture that the Lord put in my heart and started to prophesy about the people that he was calling me to minister to and to bring the power of the Holy Spirit to, okay? And so no matter what you're at and no matter where you are right now, you're one dream away, one dream, one dream away from you stepping into what you are truly called to do or what your next season is, amen? One dream. One dream. And so within a week of that, I'm like, all right, I'm buying my ticket. I'm doing this. I had people in the secular world, in the business world, walking up to me with $500 checks, $1,000 checks. The Lord told me to give this to you. The Lord told me to give this to you. And I'm sitting here with a pile of money in my hand going, how does this happen? This isn't like, how does this happen? And I'm here to tell you that it's not just, it's not just a pizza dream. If it's from the Lord, there is supernatural provision that will, that will be put forth to fulfill everything that he's called you to do, okay? But here's the deal. I had to believe. I had to believe what he was saying to me, but I also had to believe that he was separating me from a limitation. Anytime the Lord is going to take you to do a new thing, not only is there a new thing you're grabbing onto, but there's something he's separating you out of, okay? You see, in the church I was in, I, w I had the green light to use my gift, but they couldn't see my call. Are you getting that? What I mean by that is this. I was able to prophetically move and, and work and equip people and, and help people um, in the gift, but when it came to the calling, the Lord spoke to me about the calling. He didn't speak to the leaders around me. And so they couldn't grasp hold that Dave was no longer just a church guy. Dave was being called to do something that was supernatural. And the reason I'm telling you this story is some of your closest friends, it's going to appear like this thing is whispering in your ear, you can't do that. That's not you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to 
be what the Lord said you are, even though they're friendly church people. Amen? And I don't mean that negative, but when the Lord is calling you to do something supernatural, He didn't call the people around you. He called you. And it's not up to them to believe. It's up to you to believe. Are you with me? Look at the person beside you and tell them, you have to believe the vision. You have to believe the dream. You have to believe the prophecy. Amen? You see, realizing that you are dangerous when the Lord speaks to you, you've got to believe it. You literally have to grab hold of it so powerfully that you become what he spoke to you. You have got to be dangerous. You've got to know that you are a dangerous man. You're a dangerous woman. A person who knows who they are. That's what the Lord spoke to me, right? A person who knows who and what they are is a dangerous man. Tell, tell the person beside you, you were born to be dangerous. Amen. You see, when Elijah, you guys all know the story of Elijah, right? Elijah, the Lord, you know, he's this great prophetic guy. He functions in this realm of the supernatural. He does things that are superhuman, right? And the story of the prophets of Baal challenging Elijah, and Elijah challenges them, they go up. Elijah actually mocks these guys, right? He laughs at them. Ha ha, your God, where's the, where's the fire of your God, right? I mean, that takes, that, takes some, that takes some guts, man. And all of a sudden, Elijah begins to pray. Fire comes, the supernatural happens, right? And then he says, all right, take these 400 prophets of Baal. We're taking them down to the river. We're slaying them. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's like supernatural, right? All of a sudden, Elijah starts to run and follow Ahab, outrun Ahab the chariot. He gets into the city, and Jezebel, it says that Jezebel sends a messenger, something to whisper in his ear, right? And, and the messenger says, Jezebel's going to kill you. That's basically what he said. So fear and intimidation come on, come on to Elijah, you, all, you guys all know the story, right? The next thing that happens is Elijah runs. This guy who just slayed 400 prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven, supernatural, and the region, the whole region he was in was transformed, okay? And now suddenly he goes into a new territory, a new place. Jezebel whispers through this messenger, and everything changes in Elijah's heart. Why is that? How could, how could a guy who was in what he was called to do in the moment, suddenly when he walks into a new territory, suddenly he's, he's, he's inundated with fear. He runs and hides in a cave. If you understand this story, you're going to understand how the Lord transitions people out of trusting and believing what the old season was so that you can step into the new season. Amen? Everybody in here has a new season coming. You can stay in the one you're at if you want, but I don't want to, right? Are you with me? See, you have to realize that the Lord never leaves anybody where they're at. 
It's, it's, he, Jesus, when he came to his disciples, he said, follow me. He just didn't say, sit in the synagogue, stand up and sit down, sing the first, second and third stanza, and out the door you go. He said, follow me. Amen? Follow me. Following is totally different than just going to church on Sunday. Okay? Following requires you to be so attentive to his voice that you are willing to go wherever he takes you. Because Elijah, the, the story with Elijah is there was a bigger plan for Elijah. There was a bigger thing for Elijah, okay? When Elijah ran into the cave, I hear a lot of te- I've heard a lot of people teach this and say, oh, Elijah failed, he was fired, out the door he went, right? That's what they say. That's what a lot of, just, a lot of religious organizations say. Oh, he had his heyday and it was time to hand everything off. But here's the deal with Elijah. He runs into the cave. He heard this whispering voice of the serpent induce fear. He runs into the cave and suddenly it says uh, in 1 Kings 19, it says, after the fire, a still small voice, right? So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah has a revelation. That thing, that mantle that was on him, instead of him listening to the voice of the serpent, the mantle, the the equipping is connected to the voice of the Lord. Okay? So the breath of the Lord, the covering of the Lord is, is... everything you need in your walk with the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else you need. And so instead of Elijah running to the cave, what would have happened if he'd have stopped, put his face in his mantle right where he was until he heard the voice of the Lord? And he did not embrace the fear, the the intimidation, and everything that Jezebel released at him. But here's the deal, guys. No matter how great you are in the kingdom, no matter what your calling is, you will have an Elijah moment between what you're currently doing and what you're called to do in the next season. Because here's the deal. Elisha, I'm sorry, Elijah, um, when he walked out of that cave, the Lord told him, go lay your hands on two kings and a prophet, right? He laid his hands on Elisha. Elisha was going to be who would step into the next leadership realm of the prophetic in Israel. And the two kings, one of them was Jehu, who would slay Jezebel, right? But you know what the bigger thing is that Elijah did? After, after, after the Baal, after the 400 prophets of Baal and transforming a region, the bigger thing that he did was step into the realm of multiplication. And what I mean by that is he, he, he stepped in, into a place where the next thing he did was he produced the school of the prophets, okay? Not only, not only did he do supernatural things in hearing the voice of the Lord for a region or a certain situation, he actually equipped people to hear the voice of the Lord that they would also step into what they're called to do. Amen? So what would have happened if Elijah never found himself in the cave and never heard the voice of the Lord? You don't know, right? That's a trick question. (laughs) Y'all look like stunned, right? We don't know. But here's the deal. It's a picture of transition. 
Anytime the Lord is going to transition you into the next place to do the next thing, there's always going to be a time of, of what people would perceive as darkness, a, a, a questioning time. You will hear the enemy whisper in your ear, casting doubt and, and hopelessness, fear, intimidation. But at the same time, there's the voice of the Lord that will call you out into the new realm. Amen? Amen. You guys still alive? You with me? <laughs> Is that pretty good? You like that? You see, a condemning culture will look at Elijah and say, Elijah failed. But I would challenge you this. You don't know the way of the Lord. Did he not? Did David, was David not so much distressed that he said, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you think that he heard voices? Do you think that he felt oppression on him? Do you think that he was being challenged? Right? You see, between David and a shepherd boy killing a giant, there was a long time in the wilderness before he was made king. And then another seven years before he was made king of all of Israel. And so in between the transitions is a maturing process that only happens when you have absolute trust of the voice of the Lord. You see, you are not going to work your way out of that cave by reading more, by trying to digest a thousand scriptures. You're going to make your way out of that cave by being so connected spiritually that his voice leads you out. He actually calls you. He calls you into the next place. Amen? All right. So let me tell you one more story, then we'll, and then we'll pray. Um. When the Lord uh, sent me to India, um, man, the, fir the first couple missions were just crazy. Just crazy things would happen. Um, in 2017, I was preparing to go uh, to a city called Chennai, and um, the Lord came to me one morning, and <clears throat> he shows me this vision, and he starts to speak to me. And in this vision, now this is kind of funny, but I see this crowd of people, and I see this man and he's got like, I don't know, five arms on one side, five arms on the other. And there's this gray fog over the people. And the people look like they're in trances. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm watching. And I'm, you know, I start asking the Lord questions. What does this mean? And he says, this is Sarishi's messenger. And I'm like, what? What, what do you mean, Sarishi? You know, he's telling me these details. He had never spoke to me like this before. Okay. And he starts talking to me about this entity that ruled this region. His name was Sarishi, okay? And um, the next thing that happened was this angel came up to me in the vision and handed me a torch, and it had this scripture on it. It was 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And um, I'll read the scripture to you. It says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That's the punchline phrase after the Holy Spirit describes all the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gifts of wisdom, you know, the, the gift of faith, the gift of tongues. And he gets to this line. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. And the angel starts to teach me how to stretch this torch over the people, and I see the fog disappear, and I see people getting equipped by the Holy Ghost. And it's like, I knew, I knew what the Lord was, was positioning me to do, okay? 
And so this is kind of a crazy part. I land in Chennai, first day. Um, it was a Sunday, and on a Sunday, you know, I'll do five, six, seven churches in a, in a day. First church we go into, we walk in, um, people, you know, they're singing. I stand up to, to start the minister, and all of a sudden, this lady in the back by the door, she starts to, to like, cry out loud. She falls to her knees, and she begins to pray in tongues, Okay. And the pastor, pastor's looking at me, and, and the interpreter's looking at me, like, what is this? Like, what are we doing? And so I'm like, bring her up. What's going on? And so through talking to this woman, we, we find out that nobody in this church prayed in tongues, okay? And that they had been praying for the Holy Spirit. And she said, that when I stood in the pulpit, it felt like a hand touched her, the middle of her back. It felt like fire coming into her. And, and she fell down to her knees and she started to pray. And you may say, that's crazy. That's not real. I'm here to tell you that stuff happens, man. You go out into the mission field and supernatural things like that happen all the time. 15 minutes later, the whole church gets filled with the Holy Ghost and they're, they're, praying, they're praying in tongues, okay? And so I'm here to tell you that, that those giftings and those equippings, it wasn't just a vision. It was that the Lord had a plan to do something, okay? And so as you develop your spiritual life, as you become connected deeper in the Holy Spirit, visions start to come that actually start to explain situations, start to, um, for, for ministry, for your own life, and for what's going to happen, Amen. And I'm telling, I'm telling you these stories because if you change your expectations and you start to pursue the Lord in a, um, in an ex, with an expectant heart that supernatural things are going to happen, they're going to start happening. The only thing between you and the supernatural right now is your expectation. I'm serious. It's not that the Lord is, is literally holding things back and not giving them to you. People, believe, I'll call them believers, have a shallow expectation of what can happen right here in this moment. I know that right now I can start prophesying over people. I know that people right now can, can, can get a word of knowledge about somebody who's sick beside them, lay their hand on them, and they can get healed. So the only difference is expectation. And what your heart is set on is your heart, let's go back to the beginning of our discussion, is your heart set in the garden on the whispering serpent, or is your heart set expecting in the Lord's breath flowing through you, flowing out of you, flowing upon the people around you, right? Because the Lord's desire is that all around you will be saved. His desire is that people are healed. His desire is that people can hear his voice. His desire is that the power of heaven is poured out on earth. Jesus said, pray this way. Expect this way. Look at the person beside you and tell them you have to expect in the Holy Ghost. Tell them like you mean it this time. Say, you have to expect... In the, in the Holy Ghost. Tell him again, you have to expect. Have to expect. In, the in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, man. Do you feel the shift? Do you feel the faith rise in here? 
That's because expectation is changing in your heart. Turn with me to John chapter 3, and then we're going to pray, okay? John chapter 3, starting with verse 3. This is the famous scripture that all of our Christian churches use about being born again. The problem is the majority of people, I would say, this is just my view, probably are not really born again, okay? And you, you might look at me and say, eh, really? But let me, let me walk you through this scripture, okay? Because this scripture, if you grab hold of what Nicodemus was asking and how Jesus was actually responding to Nicodemus, he's actually talking about being locked in the realm of the earth versus being entering into the realm of the spirit. Because when you enter into the realm of the spirit, there are no limitations. Your limitations right now are because you are thinking earthly, right? The only limitations right now are earthly thinking, are earthly, uh, earthbound expectations. But if you are expectant in the Holy Ghost, there are no limitations. If there's, if there's limitations in the spirit, then we're missing it, Okay? Let me read the scripture, starting with verse 3. John, or I'm sorry, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Meaning he can't even see the glory. It's not even potential. Okay? Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, meaning to operate out of the realm of glory. Okay? He says, First you have to see it, then you got to enter it. First you see it, then you enter it. Okay? Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So going way back to the garden, the Father breathes into Adam, right? When he breathes into Adam, life comes. And Jesus is pointing to being born again connected to the wind of the Holy Spirit. He said, if you are born again, you will be moved, you will be driven, you will be pushed down the road. You will follow me because the wind is blowing. You'll not stay in one place. You'll actually be blown over to this place. And then he blows you over to this place. All along, being able to see visions, dreams, prophecy, and entering in, you become the vision. You become the prophecy. You become what he says. And there's this pattern of you going through life from glory to glory to glory to glory. You'll never stay in the same place. Amen? Are you with me? So following is a matter of the breath of the Lord continually continually blowing in your ear, continually blowing life into you, knowing that even things he said to you five years, they will die. And he's breathing new things into you to take you to, do, to, to go do different things. Amen? And so 
The aspects of being born again and life, the fullness of the life of Christ, is actually that you are not bound to the earth. You are bound to the Spirit. And anybody bound to the Spirit does what? They live eternal, right? Not only do you live eternal, but you live supernaturally now because you have access to eternity. You have access to every book written of you in heaven. You have access to what the Father is saying right now. You have access to the power of the Holy Ghost. You have access to everything needed to live a supernatural life instead of going through the mundane routine of normal. That's what they call religion. You guys heard me talk for weeks Jesus actually hated the Pharisees. They were a misrepresentation because they went into the synagogue, stood up, sat down, regurgitated some scripture, and tried to act holy in front of the people. And Jesus is saying, no, Nicodemus. No, 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 that's not the way this works. Nicodemus, you have to see the kingdom. You have to enter the kingdom. The wind of God, the power of the Holy Ghost will blow on you. It will move you through life. You will never be the same year after year after year. You will, you will evolve before the eyes of the people. One season, you'll write books. Another season, you're the CEO of a company. The next season, you birth a church. The next season after that, he says, you know what? Hand the keys to that church to your friend because I have a new mission for you in another nation. What would the church really look like if they were being blown from site to site, from city to city, region to region, all over the world, expecting the supernatural power of the voice of God to take you in to do supernatural things and not just get through life? You see, getting through life is a disease. That's a thought process of limitation. It's a thought process that the Lord doesn't have a bigger thing for you, a new thing for you, that you just accept normal. Nor I hate normal. If you can't tell, I literally hate normal. I hate thinking that in a year from now, I'll be doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now. Because the, I believe that the Lord blows people by his wind. I believe what the scripture says. Amen. And that he will, he will show you visions. He'll give you glimpses. You'll see the kingdom. You'll, you'll go through the valley of the shadow of death. You will actually then hear his voice. You will enter the kingdom and the wind will actually equip you. You'll be, you'll have eagle's wings. You will flow from spot to spot. From new place to new place. Amen? Now that's kind of a crazy view, but I don't know, man. All I can do is testify. <laughs> I've been, this is, this is my fourth city in eight years. You may say, and on top of that, probably, I don't know, I've probably preached in, I don't know, 60 to 80 cities in India over five years, that's, that's not normal, right? That's not normal. Look at the person beside you and say, you weren't born to be normal. You were born to be supernatural. And the Lord says, you're going to do a supernatural thing. Come on, lay your hand on him and tell him, you are going to do a supernatural thing. The wind of God is going to blow in your life. 
You're going to hear the voice of God. It's going to shake you. It's going to break you free of pain, of limitation, of depression, of the whispering serpent. It's going to crush the head of your enemy. It's going to open prison doors. And it's going to launch you to do a supernatural thing. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.